0: Ryan won't practice today, and um, you know we'll see where he is at the end of the week. And I would imagine that uh, you know if Ryan can't play, I think mean, I would anticipate both of those quarterbacks playing in the football game. But Ryan, you know, is out of his, off of his roller or walker or whatever he had, and uh, you know we'll see where he is at the end of the week. both of them? Mike, you said you'd anticipate both of them. You'd have a plan for both of them to play. I said I would anticipate both of them to play. Yep, make sure you got
1: that, Joe. Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach, probably had a better Saturday being inducted in the Patriots Hall of Fame than he had Tuesday, having to explain that Ryan Tannehill likely not going to play, and they're getting both Malik Willis and Will Levis ready to go. By the way, false alarm, the wow from MDS was some development related to the Michigan sign-stealing scandal that we won't take up your time with here. I thought, uh-oh, what, what? who got traded? Who got traded? That was my first thought. Who got traded? Maybe, maybe Titans running back Derrick Henry. Is that who got traded? That's what I thought it might be, but it's not. But we're talking Titans anyway. Reportedly, Will Levis is being prepared to start, which is a little bit of a surprise, Shireen, because Malik Willis was a disappointment last year for them. He got benched for Josh Dobbs down the stretch. They went out and get Will Levis, trade up to near the top of round two to get Will Levis, a guy they were thinking about taking 10th or 11th overall, and he slipped all the way through the round, and they got him. Then they show up for the offseason program, and Malik Willis, pretty damn good. A lot of praise for Malik Willis. Malik Willis has played when Ryan Tannehill was injured, but now it may be Levis. They have a chance. They have time to get him ready. Get the guy that you have the higher degree of faith in overall, organizationally ready to go, but recognize both guys are going to play in the game, both Levis and Willis. And Rabel was very open about that. Didn't have to say a word about it. Didn't have to admit that he's thinking about using both quarterbacks or planning to use both. That's what he said. Reportedly, Levis is going to get the start. The question is, what's that split going to be? 50-50? 60-40? Some other combination that adds up to 100 or doesn't we'll find out
2: Mike people not as old as us don't remember this but there was a time back in the day in the 1970s that Tom Landry decided he couldn't decide whether it was Craig Martin or Roger Staubach as the Cowboys starting quarterback so they switched off plays and it, it was interesting, and I don't think it's ever happened again, but I would love to see the Titans do something like that. Not really, but this almost sounds like a preseason game. And if, if you're going to play more than one quarterback and you go in with the intent to play more than one quarterback, and maybe that's where the Titans are, they need to find out if one of these guys can be their quarterback for next season. It's not going to be Ryan Tannehill. I think we would all agree on that. They're going to have a new starting quarterback next year. Do they need to go out and find one in the free agency market? Do they need to go to try to draft one next year? But they need a different quarterback. So you've got to find out about both of these quarterbacks. Can either one of them play? Do you have any hope that one of these guys can be your quarterback next season and and beyond? And so that's where they are trying to find out, Mike. And and I think whether Ryan Tannehill is healthy or not, at some point you – he's sitting on the bench and you're playing these two quarterbacks in whatever order, however you're going to play them to figure out if either one of them can play and be that guy for you next season and beyond.
1: Now, Ryan Tannehill has the high ankle sprain. We saw it happen during the loss to the Ravens in England. He was standing there waiting for the cart from the other side of the stadium to come get him. So he could get x-rays. It was kind of comical, nothing comical about the injury. Same ankle he injured last year he could be out for a while. It takes a while for that high ankle sprain to heal. I agree with you, though. They need to figure out who their starter is going to be in 2024. So let's give both guys an opportunity to grow, to develop, to show us what they can do in those very rare, grand scheme of things, live reps. You got three hours a week for live reps, 17 times in a season. The rest of it's just practice. Very different mindset. Let's see how guys can maybe slow down, assert themselves, make a big throw in a big spot, maybe develop faster than we thought or develop slower than we thought. Either way, we'll know. Extended preseason for next regular season. That's what this feels like. And it's the Kevin Byard trade that creates this vibe that they're basically giving up on 2023 and looking to 2024. Ownership's got to be on board with that. Front office has to be on board. Coaching staff has to be on board. Everyone's got to be secure in their jobs to make this kind of strategic decision seven weeks in, only six games in at two and four, that we're going to step back and think about the future. Vrabel was asked yesterday if the decision to trade Kevin Byard to the Eagles should be interpreted as a sign that the Titans are indeed giving up on the current season. Here's what Vrabel had to say.
0: We'll, we'll never give up on, on anything. And we're going to prepare with the roster and the guys that we have on the active roster and the guys on the practice squad. We'll ask them to prepare as starters. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to speak, speak for the team. I'm going to try to coach them and, and try to get them ready to go.
1: See, there's, there's two different ways that you give up. And the players are never going to give up. The players who are asked to play will never tank. They don't care about that. They care about the film that they put out there into the universe that's going to determine their future after this season. And they have pride. And they're competitive. They want to win. Tanking happens at a much higher level of the organization. It's at the level that trades Kevin Byard. It's at the level that possibly trades Derrick Henry. It's at the level that might just go ahead and trade Ryan Tannehill if someone will accept him as damaged goods, knowing he'll be healthy later in the year, and he's a more viable emergency option in the event that our starter gets injured. Once they start moving, once they make that deal happen, they're sending the message to the rest of the league, our guys are available. Our veterans are available. The guys that we know aren't going to be here next year are available. Derrick Henry's in the last year of his contract. There was some chatter. Mike Silver reported back in March that they were shopping Derrick Henry. And I think probably what was happening was Derrick Henry wanted a new contract and they let him shop himself so he could see no one was going to give him the kind of money he was looking for. But he quite possibly is going to be gone next year. So, I th- so you're not giving up as... The group of men in the locker room who are going out to play, but at a higher level, you're acknowledging reality. You ain't gonna win the Super Bowl this year. You're probably not making it to the playoffs. It's the AFC, a lot of great teams. You're two and four. Your starting quarterback's injured. You're in evaluation mode for next year's quarterback. Let's just let's think about who's gonna be on the team next year and let's get value for the guys who are gonna leave anyway if we can. That's where they are. It's not giving up. But it kind of is giving up.
2: Yeah, and not only are they two and four, Mike. If you go back to last season, this is a team that's lost eleven of its last thirteen games, and a lot of those games Ryan Tannehill wasn't there because of that ankle injury last year, and now the ankle injury into this year. So, you know, it it, it is a business decision, and it's a tough business decision to make. But at some point, as GM and ownership and head coach, you make those decisions that the future is more important than this year. And I think that's where the Titans are. They're not winning the Super Bowl. They're not winning the division. They're not getting to the playoffs. I mean, I I think that is pretty obvious. So let's go figure out if we have the quarterback on the team. Right now they draft ninth in the current draft order. They have players available. That's exactly what the first trade signal was. Hey, we're sellers at the trade deadline. If you're interested – Call us. I don't know if they're going to call Jerry Jones and say, are you interested in Derrick Henry? Maybe they do. But Danico Autry is another guy. DeAndre Hopkins is another guy. Hey, we're open for business. If you're interested in these guys, give us a call because we're interested in trading them. And you're looking to 2024. And part of their problem is their drafts with under the previous GM were so bad. You think back to that 2020 pick of Isaiah Wilson. Didn't even get anything out of him uh at all before he was gone 2021 caleb farley um so they've just their drafts weren't very good and they're paying the the price right now for those bad drafts especially those high draft picks mike that were not very good and didn't turn out very good so that's where they are now they've got to look ahead to the future not not to the past not to where they are right now just the Let's move on to 2024 and get ready and figure out if we have that quarterback or we're going to have to figure out who our quarterback is for next year.
1: The key to all of this is having everyone on the same page within management. Ownership okay with this? Rand Carthon, the GM, okay with this? Mike Vrabel, the head coach, okay with this? Is this an approach that we're all acceptable with? If they're fighting among themselves, if they're disagreeing, and ultimately, Amy Adams Strunk is the one who's making these decisions. She's the one in charge of the franchise. But. If Rabel doesn't like it, and I didn't get the impression and he was trying to thread the needle between strategic decisions made for the future and the expectation that we're going to go out and try to win every single game we can. That's the Sean Payton caveat to tanking. And it's a great point he made on PFT Live as he entered his year of of media work. If the coach is in on it, if the coach is not trying to win every single game, the players begin to figure it out. It poisons your culture. It's antithetical to everything you're trying to do as a football team. And it's going to do far more harm than good if you achieve the goal of getting the first overall pick in the draft. So management's going to decide what they're going to decide. We still have to go out and win football games. And the coach can never let the players think that the effort is being expended on anything other than winning every possible game with the cards they have in their hand. They're limiting my cards. I still have to go try to win. And if I manage to win enough games that it keeps me from having a top five pick, so be it. Because what I have to give up to get into that top five is something I can't get back next year from the players who come back and remember that the coach really wasn't into it down the stretch. And I don't think Vrabel's ever a guy who's going to give up down the stretch. So uh, Titans will still try. They'll still be a tough team to beat but they're not prioritizing winning this season. It's kind of what I believed about the Cardinals all along. They're not prioritizing winning this season. Doesn't mean they're going to try to lose games. They're just, based upon the stuff they did in the offseason, the message was they're not prioritizing winning every single game they can this year. And I think the Titans fall into that as well. Somebody suggested, I think Peter King brought this up. What if they trade DeAndre Hopkins, the guy they traded for in the offseason? Could yes. get value for him from a team that may need him. Chiefs may take him bills might want him you're you're clearly conceding that this isn't a move that was getting you to where you wanted to be you are getting assets for the future when you otherwise would get nothing that's another name to watch so uh, it gets harder the more veterans walk away Mike for Mike Vrabel able to sell it but I, I still think he's going to try to win every single game with whoever he has on his roster
2: and you know what Mike the Texans won that week 18 game last year. He said, "Oh, what are the Texans doing? They can't even tank right." And it worked out great for them. So sometimes, uh, as you said, the coaching staff and and the players are trying to win those games, and sometimes it works out for you for the better.
1: Well, if the team that moves up to number one drafts the wrong quarterback, and we still don't know <laughs> with any certainty whether or not Bryce Young was the wrong guy, but we get a little apples to apples comparison this weekend when the Panthers and the Texans get together as the Panthers come out of their bye. We'll be getting you ready for that game along with all others as the week unfolds. Cleveland Browns go to Seattle this weekend. Sean Watson's MRI reportedly shows no additional damage to his throwing shoulder. He's considered day-to-day. His status for Week 8 is to be determined. Now remember, in the aftermath of the win over the Colts, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the team, said... I kept Deshaun out after he passed a concussion evaluation to protect him from any further big hits. He's our starter. He starts week eight at Seattle. And then Deshaun was like, well, I pray it's not anything worse. So that was the, the very subtle but unmistakable pushback against the idea that he'll be ready to go because there was already that cloud of uncertainty about his shoulder anyway, and he did not play well in his limited time in the week seven win over the Colts. So now here we are. We're back in that same space we were. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Who's going to play? P.J. Walker's going to play. Is he going to play? Is it going to be Deshaun? Meanwhile, the defense is carrying the team. It's just a weird situation. There's just something weird going on. And I, I am very reluctant without tangible evidence to get on board with some of the hot takes that are out there that Deshaun just doesn't want to play football. We've seen Deshaun Watson play with a torn ACL at Clemson. We've seen him take a bus from Houston to Jacksonville and back again because he had a rib and lung injury that kept him from flying. This guy's competitive. The guy wants to play. And unless and until someone says otherwise, I'm not going to believe, for example... He's already decided he doesn't want to play for the Browns anymore. But I will say this, Shireen, and this is a general caveat, a general admonition, a general warning to any team out there that is thinking about trading for a guy who has decided that he hates his current team and doesn't want to play for it anymore. You make that deal and that could be you next. Could be you next. You know, there's been that with the Bills. When Stephon Diggs going to want out? And now with the Browns, something weird is happening when's Deshaun Watson going to want out? So I, I nothing to support the idea that he's deliberately downplaying his ability to play, that he's intentionally tapping out of games, but people are starting to notice and people starting to question. And I'll wait for something tangible before I chime in with an opinion on it. For now, I think of the Deshaun that played with the torn ACL that took the bus from Houston to Jacksonville and back again. So he could play when he easily could have said I'm out and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, but we're being naive. If we don't recognize that people are out there trying to raise this idea that Deshaun just doesn't want to play football right now.
2: Well, Mike, it was so badly mishandled by the Browns. You go back to when this injury first happened and Kevin Stefanski came out and said he's been medically cleared to return. Well, that makes you think at that point he can play if he wants to play. It's totally up to him. And then, you know, we go on and Deshaun doesn't talk for a few weeks and then he has supposedly the pregame workout and it didn't go well, whatever, whatever, but it just from – Publicly, it has not been handled well, and it has made Deshaun look bad. And the fact that he didn't talk for a few weeks looked bad. He should have come out that next week and said, look, I had a, a pregame warm-up, and it didn't go well. I didn't have velocity. I don't have strength in the shoulder. If, As I've read, that's what it is. He's trying to regain strength, trying to regain velocity on the ball. It's a baseball injury is what I'm here. We've heard that now several times. At some point, it becomes a football injury because this is at least the third time I've Oh, well, this is more of a baseball injury with the quarterback, but it was just so badly mishandled by the Browns first. And then after that, after they so badly mangled it, it was badly handled by Deshaun Watson and his camp and the PR department, they should have brought him up and he should have said This is what happened. This is why I didn't play. This is what I'm trying to do to get back on the field. And I think that's where the whole disconnect comes in off this injury. I don't think we know how bad it is publicly. I don't think we know. But whatever it is, he obviously didn't play well with it the other day.
1: And the reason that I believe and agree with you that something weird is going on, go back to the week four game between the Ravens and the Browns all week long after Deshaun Watson emerges from the 27-3 win over the Titans with a shoulder injury. He's playing. He said it. I'm playing. At his locker, Mary Kay Cabot, Cleveland.com reported. I said, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Before any of the weirdness started with Kevin Stefanski saying he's medically cleared and this back and forth and who's really – accurate here is it just a mistake is there something deeper someone i trust not to be confused with the people that i don't trust but i still listen to the people i don't trust but someone i trust reached out to me 504 p.m eastern the day of that ravens browns game in the aftermath of the game hey you got some guys in the locker room who aren't happy that deshaun didn't play hey got some guys on that team that think he tapped out after saying all week he's going to play And Dorian Thompson Robinson really wasn't ready. He was ready, but he really wasn't ready to play because he believed Deshaun when he said he's playing. So that, for me, was the starting point for everything that happened after. You hear from someone you trust just out of the blue, something weird's going on here. You filter everything that comes next through that prism of something weird's going on here. And nothing that's happened since then has counted it. The only thing that hasn't happened... We haven't gotten any firm reporting about dysfunction, about Deshaun Watson not being happy with the Browns, about the Browns not being happy with him. The Browns' hands are tied. Unless they can find a way to invalidate his future guarantees, suspend him for conduct detrimental, and maybe that's, hey, again, we're not doing our job if we don't at least lay out what could happen. They could be papering the record. They could be sending him... You know, we found out about all the things they told Antonio Brown when it fell apart with him and the Raiders after the fact or just as it was all ending. There could be memos, there could be emails, there could be warnings all aimed at eventually saying, we're finding you, suspending you for conduct detrimental to the team. And oh, by the way, all your future guarantees are gone so we can get out from 46 million next year, the year after and the year after that. So we don't know. You know, this feels like it's going to be the subject of a week 15 Sunday splash report where somebody deliberately hands to one of the pregame shows with a bow as a Christmas gift the truth of what's been going on in Cleveland. I feel like it's just a matter of weeks before we find that out on a Sunday, Shereen, but it feels like that's where it's heading.
2: No question, Mike. Uh, I completely agree with you there. And, you know, the Browns haven't gotten their money's worth out of this $230 fully guaranteed contract. He missed the 11 games last season with the suspension, and now he's not played very much this season. And when he has played, he hasn't played very well. So maybe it's something where now you sit him until this shoulder is fully healed. I don't know. But, you know, they've got some decisions to make, and – I do think that we're going to know more of this story as the season goes on or after the end of the season with what happened with Deshaun Watson, but it is weird. The whole thing is very weird. And I think coaches do players a disservice when they say medically clear to whatever, and the players don't come out and clarify exactly what happened. And I think that's part of it in this case. Publicly, we haven't gotten the full story.
1: And either Kevin Stefanski made a horrible mistake in saying that, or he had a reason for saying it. He knew damn well what he was doing, and he did it deliberately. And it was his way of pushing back against whatever has been happening behind the scenes that we'll find out about week 15 or thereabouts in a Sunday Splash report. And we can't rule out the possibility— that Deshaun has fallen out of love with the Browns because he fell out of love with the Texans months after signing a long-term contract. He got the – remember they had the the press conference and Amy Palchik, who was with the Texans at the time. I think she was with – wasn't she? with the, She was with the Texans at the time, right? I think she was. Was it her? Yeah. Who was yeah. it? Who? Yeah. She was with the Texans before she went to the Jaguars. Is that – or was it the Jaguars and then the Texans? No, it was the Texans and the Jaguars. No, it was Texans. Regardless, the she, was with, she was with the Texans. Yeah, time just has been – anyway. Anyway, you know who we mean. Uh, They had the press conference where the the high school coach and family members – it was all one big celebration Labor Day weekend, 2020. By the end of the season, he wants out. And after all the stuff that happened, the 26 lawsuits, the criminal investigation that resulted in no indictment, all that ugliness, he still got what he wanted. And he got one of the best contracts ever given to any player. So, why wouldn't he feel like I can do this again? I did it last time and it worked. I'll play that card again. You know what? I made a mistake. I got I got lured by the guaranteed money. I shouldn't have come here. I don't want to play for this team. I don't know. But he's already done it. We've already seen the rubber band can stretch that far. Once you stretch it that far, Shireen, one thing I know about rubber bands from when I used to deliver newspapers, once you stretch it that far... It's easy to stretch it that far again.
2: Well, yeah, I, you know, Deshaun right now is not playing very well. He has not played very well, frankly, for a pretty good while. Um, Even the, the 2020 season and his last season with the Texans, they won four games. So it's been a while since we've seen him as a pro bowl quarterback. It's been a while since we've seen him uh, win games consistently. So, you know, I I don't know what the future of the Browns is with Deshaun Watson, uh, but they better come to some long-term agreement that he is their quarterback and he's going to play for them, and, and they better get it right because they put a huge investment in this with draft picks, with money, and with everything else for him to be their franchise guy, and he hasn't been that so far.
1: So it's P.J. Walker and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. The question becomes, with the trade deadline looming in just six days, should the Browns try to find somebody else? Now, the problem is, and this gets back to what the Jets were dealing with after the Aaron Rodgers injury, the teams that have backups have backups for a reason. Jacoby Percet, who played for the Browns, you try to bring him back. But then what does Washington do? you got a starting quarterback who's on pace to be sacked 97 times. At some point, something's going to break. At some point, he's going to get injured. At some point, he's not going to be able to go. Who's your backup then if Jacoby Brissett's gone? So I I think that the Browns should at least consider their options. But the teams that have backups need their backups, as the Browns and the Jets and various other teams have proven. The Colts, where would they be if they didn't have Gardner Minshew? So you need your backup quarterbacks. And... Even though the Browns should be looking, Shireen, I don't know who's going to be out there unless they want Ryan Tannehill if the Titans are willing to move on from him. But who knows when he'd be ready to play. And that just would be – see, that's the thing. Any move they would make would potentially be another log on this this not quite full-blown fire, but it would at least stoke it a little bit with what's going on with Deshaun depending upon who they would bring in. You bring in somebody too good, and then you start thinking, are they just – they just not going to play Deshaun Watson the rest of the year? Is this a season-ending injury? It's just all very, very strange. And, uh, again, while they should be looking, I just don't think they're going to find anybody.
2: Well, Jacoby Brissett makes the most sense, obviously, because he was beloved in that locker room. He knows the offense. He has experience with most of those receivers and tight ends. Um, so all of that makes sense from that standpoint but you bring in a guy like that, and A, what if they start winning with him, which I think they probably good and do, and he plays well, and Deshaun says, oh, I'm ready to come back. Like, how does that go over? How does Deshaun handle that? And there is the point of would Washington trade him? I, I think you'd have to offer either and or both of those backups that you have on your roster to see would one of those backups, could we send you P.J. Walker, or are you? would you get rid of DTR, um, a young quarterback that perhaps Washington would have some interest in? Is that what it would cost you? Everybody has a price, but it may be a higher price than the Browns are willing to pay. Having said all that, this to me looks like a team that could do something in the postseason. If they even had average quarterback play, They even had a quarterback who just would go out there and not turn the ball over. This looks like a team to me, Mike, that could pull an upset or two in the postseason. I don't know if they look like a a Super Bowl champion, but with that defense and the way that defense is playing, I think this is a team that could get to the postseason and could win, pull an upset or maybe two upsets in the postseason because of the defense and because of what they have on offense with Amari Cooper and some others. Yes, they miss Chubb. I understand that. But they do look, to me, like a playoff team if they can just get some quarterback play out of somebody, anybody.
1: Hey, they're one of the teams that should be thinking about calling the Titans. To tie the two teams yeah. together we've been talking about in this segment, call the Titans and ask about Derrick Henry. Think of yeah. what we would I mean, it would be great from a PR perspective. It would blow out all the smoke and crap about what's going on with Deshaun Watson. You bring in the guy who is the closest thing the NFL has seen to Jim Brown, maybe since Jim Brown, frankly, the size, the speed, the strength, that would be something. And it would be a great way to bolster the offense. The defense is spectacular and the Browns would be a factor they're already a factor at 4-2, and two, and they should be better than 4-2, and two, frankly. They should have beaten the Steelers. So, you know, unlike the Titans who may need to be thinking about a better future, the Browns may need to ignore a future that has them paying $46 million a year over each of the next three years to Deshaun Watson and focus on what's best for this team right now. While Miles Garrett is smack dab in the middle of his prime, let's put a team around him. He's the guy that is the focal point of this team. Let's put the team around him to try to ride this as far as we can. Let's take a break. When we we'll return, where are the Browns? Where are the Titans? Where are the other teams in this week's power rankings? Week eight, power rankings next here on PFT.
0: looks to his right throws it to the right got it touchdown he's got it patriots there he is mike gusecki off the side of a milk carton catching the game winner oh man a rush it's coming home butroyer
1: throws left and it's intercepted Jalen johnson goodbye baby pick six touchdown bears an exclamation point by a job well done he's gonna try it from 60. It's blocked! Ball loose. Fight for it. Ward picks it up. Ward running across the Indianapolis 30. He jumped right over. He jumped right over the oh, center. Man. He went Superman. No contact.
0: Birdie back to
1: pass when he needs to stack
0: He loops it over the middle. Intercepted! Yes! The Vikings beat the Niners. And Cam Bynum has a two night and now a fight it unfurls on the field these sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Paul Allen gotta love Paul Allen and you know it's a good week when you hear Paul Allen and that's two weeks in a row that Paul Allen's made the hump day homers after the Vikings iced that win on Monday night I still don't believe it happened it was one of those nights that just seemed not real and you had the similar experience on Monday night. It was just the other way around in the baseball game.
2: Yeah, uh, 100%. Not that I meant to I bring that what, up
1: again. It just kind of happened. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, was, it started with the, the Christian McCaffrey fumble right down there in the red zone. I think it was on the 11-yard line. He fumbled that. And I was like, this might not be the 49ers night. It turned out it was not the 49ers night. I felt like that whole entire game, the Vikings were going to win that game.
1: See, I, I felt, the and this is 50 years of scar tissue speaking, I felt like the entire game that there was going to be a loss at the end, that it was going to be the 49ers driving down. They did have the two chances, and you got to give the defense credit. Cam Bynum especially, two interceptions of Brock Purdy on drives that could have won the game for the 49ers. So, the 49ers losing two in a row. They have fallen from the perch they had occupied at number one. Last week it was the Dolphins on the PFT power rankings presented by our friends at Toyota Now that the Dolphins have lost, because they were number one last week, the 49ers have lost two in a row. They're down to number five. There are the two Super Bowl teams from last year. Just the same way it all started, Shireen, eight weeks ago. Chiefs won, Eagles two. But one team that was not at number three when we got this thing rolling, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The best team in Florida is in Duval County, at least as of right now, at least under these rankings. Do you have any issue, and I'm fine if you do, it makes it more interesting if you do, frankly, with me putting the Jaguars ahead of the Dolphins, 49ers, and the Ravens at number three?
2: No, I don't think right now with the way they're playing and what's happened with the Dolphins, 49ers, and and Ravens here recently, the Ravens have won, but especially the Dolphins and 49ers with their losses, I have no problem with that. I I think... uh, the Jaguars are playing really well right now. So, no, I have no problem with that. I, I do think those other teams probably are better than the Jaguars, but, you know, we don't we don't know that for certain, and they're playing really well right now. So, no, I, I, I think it's fine where they are.
1: And that's one of the things that actually I like about the power rankings because it reminds me – of the old football polls where you would see a team that had worked its way up to the top five and you know that that team right behind it would kick the crap out of it if they got together but still let them enjoy what they've accomplished they've won four in a row They really should have blown out the Saints the other night. They took their foot all the way off the gas after the pick six that put them up 24 to nine, but they still pulled out the win and they sit there at number three and they'll stay there as long as they keep winning. That's the key about being in the top portion of the power rankings. There's one way to stay. There's one way to justify your spot. You keep winning because if you lose, you're not going to stay where you were. You're not going to be the number one team lose and stay number one or two or three you've got to fall a little bit one team that stayed exactly where they were was the Cowboys at number seven because they didn't play and my son asked me about this is I because I the first half of the Monday night game is when I do the bulk of the power rankings just you know taking last weeks and turn it into this weeks and moving teams around and he said what do you do with a team that was on a buy it's like well I try my damnedest to keep them exactly where they were they didn't play they shouldn't fall they definitely shouldn't rise, although sometimes they do. If the team's ahead of you lose, maybe you do bump up. But Cowboys at seven, buy or no buy, is that a good spot for them? You you know the Cowboys better than I do.
2: I would probably have them behind the Lions. I think the Lions are playing. Uh, it's hard to say that after what we saw Sunday, but I do think the Lions are the better team than the Cowboys right now. So I would probably have the Lions above the Cowboys, but after that loss, the Ravens, I can certainly justify moving the Lions below the Cowboys at this point because it is based on a lot of it on the previous week. It's based on the record, yes, but how are you playing right now? How did you play last weekend? Cowboys didn't play and Lions got blown out. So, yeah, I I think the Lions are probably the better team, but I think where the Cowboys are is probably right where they should be right now coming off a bye
1: week. And because I had to move the Ravens ahead of the Cowboys after that 38-6 to win over Detroit, the problem is if I would have kept the Lions ahead of the Cowboys, I would have had to drop the Cowboys. And it's like, wait a minute. We dropped. We didn't do anything. And we definitely didn't lose 38-6. to And we dropped a spot. So, yeah, I, I think that would have been a fair argument for Cowboys fans and one of the reasons why I left them where they were. You know, the Falcons made a big jump. And the reason they made a big jump, even though they barely won, And I'm not happy with the whole B. John Robinson thing and how that was handled. But once they won, when you look at all the teams that were in front of them, they all lost. (laughs) And then when you consider the Texans at 14, who didn't play this past weekend, and the Falcons beat them, I had to find a way to put the Falcons in front of the Texans and it was just very easy. This team lost, this team lost, this team lost, and you just work your way up. So it wasn't that they had some huge blowout win. They just won a game at the bottom of a group of teams that all lost, Shireen.
2: Or didn't play. Yeah, I, they, they deserve to be where they are. My, but when you look at this top 16, the Falcons surprised me some, but when you look at the top 16, who's the biggest surprise to you there right now? Is it the Texans?
1: I would say, yes. Oh, absolutely. The Texans were the one team yeah. if we would have done the draft of teams that have no chance to make it to the playoffs, it would have been a one-round, yeah, one-pick draft. Rare. The Texans. And maybe the Cardinals. Texans and Cardinals would have been the two teams.
2: Yeah. And, and so, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know that the Texans are going to the postseason, but to sit there at three and three right now with, with having only three wins last season to me, yes, they're, and I I would say the Jets are somewhat of a surprise too, because I had totally written them off after they lost Aaron Rodgers and then they come out and they stink it up against the Cowboys in week two. So they're not a team that I expected to be in the top 16 at this point.
1: And good news, Patriots fans! Your team is no longer number 32 after beating the Bills. The Patriots have shot from 32 to 28. I don't want to get too crazy. I don't want to get too. They still got. You got to stack some wins together. Let's see what you do this weekend against the Dolphins. You beat the Dolphins, you'll make a nice little bump up toward the top of the second half. And there you see the Patriots at 28. The Panthers, the new. Now they fell without playing, but hey, you're own six. Sorry, Panthers, you fell from 31 to 32, beat the Texans this week, and you'll make a move out of the bottom spot. All right, let's take a break. After the Commanders fell to three and four, are they ready to make a change at quarterback? We'll give you the latest on that when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: Well, I will tell you this. I'm committed to them, and we'll see how things go, Ben. But, you know, I can't predict the future, and the only thing I'm going to do I'm going to focus in on one game at a time because the truth of the matter is that's the only thing that matters right now, and that's getting ready for Philadelphia. Once I get done with this conversation with all you guys, um, it'll be on to Philadelphia.
1: On to Cincinnati, on to Philadelphia. Sam Howe, committed to him, Ron Rivera is. Look, they need to see what this guy has, and it's not his. He's getting sacked at a record pace to shatter the record. For single-season sacks. That's the pace he's on. He's been exciting. The problem is the team isn't winning enough. And first year of Josh Harris owning the team, look, we know where this is going to go if they don't make it to the playoffs. We know there's going to be a new coach of the team next year. Ron Rivera knows it. He's been through this in Carolina. That's how his long tenure with the Panthers ended. David Tepper bought the team. David Tepper didn't buy the team because he really wanted the opportunity to have Ron Rivera coach a football team that he owns. That's just incidental to the purchase of the franchise. Every owner has his or her view of what the organization should look like. From Jason Wright, the team president, down to the head coach, whoever it might be. And the only way to prevent that presumption from coming to fruition, Shereen, is to win. You keep the owner from doing what the owner wants to do by winning then the owner can't because then the fans are going to be like what the hell are you doing we got a winner here why are you disrupting it it's far far easier if the team isn't good and you know somebody was asking me this yesterday i i still think there's a chance eric bandami ends up the head coach of the team moving forward it's the old lovey smith dirt cutter switcheroo i feel like there's a chance that happens if the offense is pretty good this year but the wins aren't there to get the commanders to the playoffs
2: well, and that's the problem, though, Mike, is the offense hasn't been there. They scored seven points against the Giants. They're 20 twenty-second yards. But if you move on from Ron Rivera during the season, which very well could happen if they continue to lose their 3-4 and four right now, once they get out of the playoff chase, do you put Eric B. in a trial run to see if he can be the head coach team? So they need to they need to win some games, Ron Rivera does if he wants to keep his job, and it's all gonna depend on how Sam Howell plays. And he's been okay so far, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions, but you can't keep taking sacks at the rate he's taking sacks and expect to win football games. It doesn't happen like that. So he's on pace to shatter it. You said not only the sacks record, which is seventy six by Davar the 267 yards lost already that he has, he's on pace to shatter that record too. So they've got to figure out how he can get the ball out of his hands, how they can better protect him, whatever it is. They've got to do a better job at that, Mike.
1: Also, a couple of names to watch as the trade deadline approaches. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, maybe potentially traded between yeah. now and next week. The current coaching staff might want to keep him around. Ownership might decide Let's flip them for future assets, a future that might not include the current head coach. Second take a quick break. When we return, the best catches from week seven. That's next right here on PFT Live. You might have noticed in a prior segment some glitches in Shireen Williams' connection. We're in the process of rebirting or rebooting, rebarting or rebooting her camera. And I can't blame the glitch for that. That was my own personal glitch. But we're trying to get her back. Until we do. Thursday Night Football. Week 8. Buccaneers at the Bills. Bills on the short week after the very disappointing showing in New England. And a hell of a test. Specifically for the coaching staff and more specifically for offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. What can they do? What will they do to try to get something going? To try to craft a true identity for the team? To try to get Josh Allen in the right mindset? Whether it's him, whether it's Dorsey, whether it's someone else. Abandon this idea that you're going to score 17 points in one play. Get away from your crutch plays, your Madden go-to plays. A team like the Patriots knows what those are. And a team like the Patriots can deal with them and contribute to this frustration that is emanating from the Buffalo Bills. You can sense it. You can feel it. How couldn't you? They're 4-3. and They've had three dominant wins in a row, and it felt like everything was fine. I was getting a bunch of emails from salty Bills fans saying, how about that Jenga tower now? Huh? Well, how about it now? Huh? Huh? The only win over the past few weeks was against the Giants and it felt like it was a loss. It feels like they've lost three in a row. They've lost two out of three to the Jaguars and more recently to the Patriots. They should be able to beat the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers started three and one. They've looked overmatched in recent weeks, but uh, are you saying Shereen's back? Is Shireen back? Is that what you're saying? Shireen's back. Shereen's back. They're telling me Shereen's back. Shereen, you're back. I don't know what happened, but you're back. We're talking about Josh Allen Thursday night. Chris and I talked about this on Monday. I'm a firm believer they need to rebuild the offense from scratch, much the same way the NFL needs to rebuild the officiating function from scratch. What's your view on what's wrong with the Bills as of right now?
2: Yeah, well, I I, I am not opposed to that at all, Mike. And I also think getting a veteran running back in there who's really good, Derek Henry, would help this offense I think they need a better running game to go with this offense they haven't really had that since Josh Allen has been there so I, I think a better running back could, could help the situation with Josh Allen maybe help him know that he doesn't have to make great plays every single play sometimes a throw away is not a bad thing sometimes running and getting down sliding is not a bad thing sometimes punting is not a bad thing so all of those things, Mike. But, you know, they just haven't been consistent. And and it's kind of been the MO since he's been there. They have these great games and get you hyped up. Even the Kansas City loss in the postseason. You know, this team is awesome. And then next week, they go out and lay an egg. And and I just, I don't know what is wrong with them for them not to be as consistent as I think they should be with the offense they have
1: What Josh Allen said yesterday in his midweek press conference, he's trying to stay as low as possible in terms of his emotions. He's looking for the best mindset, the best mentality. He's trying to stay in a state that he calls low positive. Your energy isn't super high. You're allowing your mind to think and be free and stay on top of everything because as the quarterback, there's a lot that's going through your mind. I can limit myself and my energy and my heart rate. I feel like maybe I can think a little bit more, but who knows? Maybe I need to think a little bit less and just play football. Man, you don't want to have your quarterback engaging in this kind of public angst in the middle of the season. He doesn't know what's – he's like – it's like a therapy session. His press conference – talking about, well, should, I should do this, I should do this, I don't know, maybe I should just do this, I should just go play football, or no, I should be low energy and think about playing football. I Look, there's too much on him. There's always been too much on him, and now it's on him to come up with some new mindset. It's like, when things don't go well, it's only his fault, because he's the guy they've put their faith in. They rely on him to do too much. That's been the problem. Chris Sims has been on that for years. They expect Josh Allen to do too much. And now they expect Josh Allen to come up with some magical mindset to dig them out of this hole. He's not paid to do that. That's what the coaching staff is there for. This is red alert territory for the Buffalo Bills. And I agree with Shireen's point. We lost her again, as you noticed. Still a little glitchy. We'll work on that for the next time we have Shireen. But what about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry should be a hot commodity right now. The Browns should want him. The Bills should want him. The Rams should want him. He could be the key piece. He could be the guy that could allow the Bills to reconfigure their offense. We got Derrick Henry. We're going to commit to the run. We're going to commit to the run. And if we fall behind by seven, we're not going to ask Josh Allen to go find that 10-point play in the playbook. They get too impatient. They get too frustrated. They are the guy who believes he's better than he is at whatever sport he's playing. And when he starts to lose, he's the last one to accept that he's not as good as he thought he was. He keeps trying harder, and he keeps making it worse. He's Michael Scott playing basketball. That's what the Bills are becoming, trying harder and harder and harder to be the person that they think they are, and they're not. And as they try to process that they're not, they keep trying harder, and it all falls apart, except in those games where it clicks. See, that's the problem. When it clicks, it clicks so well, why can't we do this all the time? But then, when they encounter some resistance, when they fall behind, when it's not their day, they get frustrated because they think every day should be their day. They think every game is the game where Josh Allen just shows up and does Josh Allen things. And if I'm Josh Allen, at some point I say, if you're going to put this much on me, maybe we should take a look at my contract. Maybe I should be getting more if you're going to expect me to be the one That not only does everything physically, but also figures out some sort of a mental solution to the mindset necessary to get through these games where it doesn't go as well. And we don't blow out the opposition from the beginning of the game. On the Thursday night game, when the Bills face the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield banged up, knee injury. If you watched any of the game on Sunday, there was a point where not any of the game. If you watch the part of the game where Baker Mayfield was sitting on the bench, messing with his knee, you could see something was up. He says, it's a pain tolerance thing. It's nothing bad. And he said that uh, the Buccaneers are realizing they're not a run first team, kind of a slap at Rashad white, but they've expected more from him. They've got a pass to set up the run. More and more teams are, are like that. Used to be run to set up the pass teams now pass to set up the run, take advantage of the rules that are conducive to more passing, build a lead, and then grind it out with your running game. But the Buccaneers have the weapons. They made the financial investment. There was a time when teams couldn't justify paying two receivers. They've paid two receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Baker Mayfield has been playing well. This is an opportunity for the Buccaneers to turn things around. I mean, because, look, the Bills are vulnerable now, and this feels like a night when the Bills will figure it out. But who knows? Based on what we've seen lately from the Bills – who knows? Because if that Jenga tower and it's wobbling, you put the wrong plank in the wrong spot and national TV, extra pressure, and all this public turmoil that Josh Allen is trying to work his way through, the right mindset. And, and this is where a short week hurts. Usually a short week hurts a team from a physical standpoint. This is hurting the Bills from a mental standpoint. They got a lot to process. They got a lot to fix. And they only have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to do it. And based on the stuff that Josh Allen was saying on Tuesday, I don't know if they're going to be ready. It's going to be a good game tomorrow night. Which Bills team is going to show up? And do they nearly have enough time to get past whatever we've seen from them the last three weeks? It's amazing they won one of those three games. That's how sluggish they've been offensively. We'll see what happens Thursday night. We'll take a break and wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Broncos safety Kareem Jackson was suspended four games on Monday by the NFL. Derek Brooks, one of the two hearing officers, reduced it from four games to two. And it's funny to see people couch that as a win for Kareem Jackson. He's still suspended two games. Sometimes what the league does is deliberately overshoot to get what it would have looked for in the first place. If we were suspended two, maybe it's reduced to one. So we suspend four. It gets reduced to two. It's not a win for Kareem Jackson. He's suspended two games. He'll be back week 11 against the Vikings. And finally, Malik Cunningham cut by the Patriots. Let's not read too much into this. This is a roster game by Bill Belichick. Nobody's going to claim him on waivers, most likely. They'll sign him back to the practice squad. Lather, rinse, repeat. That's how it works at the bottom of the roster. There's constant churning. But the guy was the number 2 quarterback not long ago, and they used him in a package of plays, and they'll probably bring him back to the practice squad and elevate him. They can keep doing this as long as no one claims him on waivers. They can continue to move the roster around however they see fit. We are done for today. Have a great Wednesday. PFTPM coming this afternoon. PFT Live tomorrow morning. See ya.